Good morning. Good morning. Hey, there we go. As you guys make your way back to your seats, I know that most of y'all are thinking about uh, like your favorite foods that I don't like uh, for, for this Thanksgiving meal, but it does, this week is always great because it's the first week that most of you won't ridicule me for my favorite season. It's like, I'm already listening. I've been listening to Christmas music for about a month now. Anybody else in that camp? Yeah, deck the halls, right? So tis the season. But um, we've been, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we are in Ephesians. Uh, and the portion of Ephesians that we're in is where Paul is taking the truth that he talked about in the first three chapters, and he's applying it into our lives. And how does the gospel affect our life, our walk, our day to day? So where we find ourselves this week is in a familiar passage, if you've been around the church for uh, any amount of time, it's where it's the armor of God is located. So um, before we dive into that, let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Uh, thank you that you give us strength to endure this spiritual battle. Thank you that... Uh, we are not alone. Lord, I pray that you'd give me your words this morning and uh, that you'd soften the hearts and ears of the people that need to hear this message. And Lord, ultimately, we thank you for the gospel that we have the ability to come before you uh, through Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. So it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So before we get into the text, I think it's really important uh, to remember this, that our view of God matters. Like who we say God is matters. So as we go into the text, I want you to remember this. God is on our side. If you are in Christ, God is on our side. He desires that we persevere, and he equips us in order to do that. This is who God is. God is on our side, right? Because there are some errors that you can fall into as you read this passage, right? You can, you can treat God as if he might be the reason that you need armor. There's a video going around a few weeks ago on Instagram where this UFC fighter is punching a guy in the face and his, the guy that he's punching, his mouthpiece falls out. And so the guy that's punching him, UFC, he picks up, the, the mouthpiece puts it back into the guy's mouth and then continues to punch on him. And that's ridiculous. And I, I texted it to one of my buddies. I said, this is how a lot of people view God, is that he's giving us armor so that he can punch us. Let me remind you, God is not the one throwing the punches. He is not our enemy, right? He is on our side. Uh, the other, another error that we can fall into is that we give the dark enemies of our soul too much credit, right? Sometimes we might be afraid of someone who's already been conquered by God, right? We give too much credit to the enemy. Another error is that you don't even realize that we are in a spiritual battle, right? We have to wake up to the reality that we are in a spiritual reality, a spiritual battle. 
you might be walking around in enemy territory, oblivious to the fact that you're in harm's way, right? The most important thing about you is what you believe about God. Full stop. So that's really important uh, to remember this morning as we dive into the scriptures. So let's start with verse 10, chapter 6 of Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. All right? We need God's strength to endure this spiritual battle. So the kids have a little sheet. It's really, this is the first point for them. It says, God gives us his strength to endure spiritual battle. He's offered it to us. And the really important thing to remember, right? This is your view of God. It matters. God's strength is really strong. Really strong. One of my favorite things to, to read as I'm preparing for uh, sermons is the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. It's a helpful tool when you're going back and trying to figure out, hey, what, is, what does this mean? What is this doctrine, right? Uh, and they define God in the second chapter um, about him this way. And it's kind of wordy, but I think it's important to, to hear. So lean in and, and listen and really, really focus on these words. The Lord our God is but one only living and true God whose substance is in and of himself infinite in being and perfection, whose essence cannot be comprehended by any but himself, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, who is immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, every way infinite, most holy, most wise, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory. He's most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and with all most just, terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. This is the only one who can stand against our enemy, not you, God, in his strength. So put on his strength. Not your own, but his. And it's here that we must have a beautiful and really robust understanding of the gospel, right? What it means to be one with Christ and in his death, right? Jesus is the son of God. He's perfect. He was righteous. He did not sin. He did no wrong. So when you put your faith, your trust in him, right, God has decided, decided by his grace to give you what belongs to Christ. In the cross, his perfect righteousness, 
his perfect strength. He's giving that to you by faith, by grace, through faith. God has given you that strength. Christ's life, his victory, his strength, his life. So I ask you again, who can defeat the devil, our enemy? No one but God. So stand in Christ. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. All right, so who is our enemy? It's not Joe Biden. It's not Donald Trump. It's not the leaders or followers of Hamas. It's not your mom or your dad. It's not yourself. It's not your professor or your ex-girlfriend. It's not the people that God has placed in your life, however difficult they may be. It's not your son or your daughter. They are not your enemy. Our enemy is a spiritual enemy who have some sort of cosmically ordained power in this present world. They deceive people with lies and ideas, sell us false identities, bring us to try to worship other false gods, worship of self, brings us into patterns of life that exalt creation rather than the creator, and lead us down paths of unrighteousness and kinds of thoughts that are anti-God and anti-the gospel. Right? These dark spiritual powers cause division and hatred. They puff up the proud and they try to bring down the lowly. That is our enemy. They're wicked, they're real, and they hate you. And they creep into our thought patterns by asking, did God really say that? Or if they can't get you there, I'll say, can you believe those people? You're so much better than them. That's what the enemy sounds like. All that to say, we have an enemy, and it's deeper and stronger than you may realize. And I don't say that to scare you, right? Like, I'm not trying to say, like, ooh, look, every, look under every rock. There he is. to tell you that God has a plan to destroy this enemy, right? We have a general who gives us his armor, who's stronger than our enemy, and will overcome, has overcome the enemy. The battle is won. Christ rose from the dead, amen? Any Narnia fans in here? Yeah, this is for you. Aslan's on the move, okay? Winter is melting away and summer is coming. The darkness and all of its powers is being cast out by the light. So to withstand this war, to fight against our enemy that is real, we must put on God's strength and his armor. 
There's a quote that uh, is going to be up on the screen. It's from a guy I really appreciate and admire. His name's N.T. Wright. He talks about this in summing up Ephesians, and this is uh, particular to our battle. All right, Paul's clear and celebratory statement of grace, of the grace of God in the gospel, is anchored in his vision of God's cosmic plan to unite heaven and earth in the Messiah, Jesus. A plan symbolized by the coming together of Jew and Gentile in the church, the husband and wife in marriage. The powers of darkness will resist this. And Christians will therefore find themselves on the front line of spiritual warfare. All right? It's not some random battle. Like it's not some random fight that's happening. The enemy's goal is to get us to stop sharing and believing the gospel. That's the battle, right? The, that the enemy does not want the gospel to go forward. The enemy's goal is that you're lazy, that you lack faith, that you stay away from community, and that you forget that you're saved by grace and that you don't know your Bible. Right? The enemy wants you to sit in shame at home in front of the TV and forget that you've been called to glorious purpose to expand the kingdom of God. Right? So how do we withstand our enemy? In the strength of his might and by putting on his armor. So I'm not gonna spend too much time talking about the correlation between the armor and the virtue. We're gonna focus a lot more on the virtues today. Um, and the first that comes up is the belt of truth. So uh, that passage is right here. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. So, truth. We are people of truth. We don't speak lies. We align our hearts to the truth. We bear our minds to know the truth. And what is the truth? Paul referenced uh, the truth as being Jesus earlier on in Ephesians. The truth sets us free. Right? We must take every thought captive and submit it to the truth, to Jesus. This whole letter, the first half, was dedicated to theological truth. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, so that no man can boast. Right? This is truth. And I don't think it's, the, uh, it's a coincidence that truth is the first thing that Paul chooses to speak of here when he talks about the armor. Right? If you're running late to a flight in Atlanta, and you think the best way to get there is to go US 19 north. You're not gonna end up, you're gonna be so late for your flight, it's not even possible. You can't travel north until it goes south, right? You will be wrong if you have lies built into your head, right? US 19 south would be the way to go for those who aren't catching up to that uh, metaphor. So. No matter how earnest you are in your belief, if you believe the wrong thing, you will end up in the wrong place, right? If you believe lies, you will start to live as if they are true, and you will be crushed by the world. The second thing that we're going to get into is the breastplate of righteousness, right? Righteousness. This righteousness is not referring to the kind of righteousness that you're given in Christ, that righteousness that makes you right with God. This is the righteousness that is the way that you live in the world, 
right? So a right way of living. Uh, God is not our enemy, right? He stand, we stand holy before God because of Christ's righteousness given to us. And this righteousness that is the breastplate of righteousness is living out that holiness in the world, a life that reflects Christ's life, a life that doesn't falter to impurity, lust, greed, or injustice. Now, this is, the, this is a hard one to put on, right? And so remember, this is, a, this is a command of Paul to say, put on this armor, live your life well, live it as a reflection of Christ's life so that you don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. How do we put it on? We'll get there. But it's so, so, so important to know that this isn't just the grace righteousness that you're being filled up with. This is right living. This is for the impact of the kingdom in the world, which is our next point. The third thing that Paul tells us to put on is shoes for our feet. Having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. So the third thing that we're putting on is readiness. Have y'all ever been on vacation with anybody and you ask, all right, you guys ready to go? And the thing that they say is, yeah, I just gotta put on my shoes. The answer to the question is no, you're not ready to go. If you don't have your shoes on, you are not ready, right? So we should always be ready to share the gospel. Always be ready, right? It's a reason that it's really important to live sober-minded. If you're drunk, you are not in a place where you can share the gospel. If we Christians cannot articulate the hope of the gospel, we're not of any use to the kingdom of God. So be ready to tell people that God cares about them enough to solve their greatest problem through Jesus, and that they can have life abundant and eternal by grace through faith, not by their works so that no one can boast, but because of God's great mercy and love, he can ransom them from the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Equip yourself with that. Like, make it your own, right? But be able to articulate what it is that you believe. Give a reason for the hope that's in you. Be ready. So I prepared like a little thing of sandals for you, right? Um, that's the next slide to help you get ready, right? So this is like a easy way to talk about the gospel. Everyone sins. No one's perfect. And Jesus claimed to be the son of God. He died. He rose from the dead. He authenticated his claims that he was who he said he is. And Jesus invites all to come to him to be forgiven of their sin. Make that your own, but be ready to share that with others. And other than that, I I really love to just ask people, what what do you think about Jesus? Everybody, most people have an opinion, right? They're ready to share it with you often too. What do you think about Jesus? 
and be ready to answer with what you think about Jesus. Be ready. Verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about the shield for this one. All right, it's really cool. Uh, the shield that Paul is bringing to mind here is not like a one dude shield, like small circle. Not, it's not like this stage thing, this uh, table, where it's just a little circle. This is like the Roman shield, right? It's about as tall as a person. Uh, and it can also link in formation with other shields around it. It's a shield that protects the whole body and when linked together is more powerful than anybody could imagine. Right? When we trust God, which is what faith is, it's just trust. When we trust God, we come together and cannot be put to shame by the enemy. Right? Take God at his word. That's faith. It's trusting that he's going to do what he says he will do and he is who he says he is, and we are who he says we are. Trust. And that faith is a shield that extinguishes the enemy's attacks. Salvation. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Where does our salvation come from? Not of ourselves, it comes from the Lord. Be reminded daily of what it took for God to take you from the domain of darkness and to put you into the kingdom of light. It's so important. Put that at the forefront of your mind daily. It'll do three things for you. It'll humble you to God. It'll remind you who he is and how awesome he is. It'll humble you to man, right? Uh, so that you can't have pride in your life, which is one of those tricky uh, tricks of the enemy. The other thing it'll do is make us grateful for God's plan. Right? Jesus died on the cross. He suffered for you. You might also suffer in this world, not might, you will. You will suffer in this world. So to be, to be grateful for God's plan is to know that he will save you. He will eventually bring you into new creation if you are in Christ. And there will be nothing that can extinguish God's plan. The third thing that remembering your salvation will do is to help you resist temptation. All right. Psalm 1 says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The difference between the wicked and the righteous in this is that the righteous are planted in God's word, which is our next piece of armor. The word of God. 
the sword of the Spirit. It's how we fight the enemy. Speaking the gospel, the word, into the ears of those around us and into our own minds, it shakes the enemy down. Remembering God's word in the midst of temptation or shame is how we can withstand the battle against our enemy. So, how do we put all this armor on? It's not physical. We can't see it. Paul answers that question in verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The answer is prayer. We pray. It must be a people of prayer. I feel like we've said that over and over and over again as we've been in Ephesians. Ask God to give you truth. Ask God to give you the ability to walk in righteousness, to prepare your mouth and mind with the hope of the gospel. Ask for God's help to trust him. Help my unbelief. Ask him to remind you of his grace and salvation and to show you glimpses of that future hope. Ask him to help you speak the gospel to yourself and to the enemy when lies haunt your mind. Pray. Don't just ask for stuff or for God to fix your circumstances. Pray to engage God and for God to give, him, give you the tools, the armor to fight this spiritual battle that you are in. Because without his tools in this spiritual battle, you will not stand. You will be crushed without God's help. So, little, another little illustration for you. When we were growing up playing football, uh, there was this day when we would go and try on equipment. Anybody remember this? Yeah, you remember this, Stephen? When you go try on equipment, it was the worst. Because your dad, or sorry, your coach um, would um, put your helmet on your head and say something like, all right, you've got a big head. And so he'd get a big helmet on. And then he would try that one and he'd shake it really hard to make sure that it fit. And then he'd uh, put on your shoulder pads and he'd grab the, the front chest pads and he'd shake it really hard too. This armor is God's armor fit for you and he's not trying to hurt you while you're putting it on. I hear a lot of people say stuff like this. If we ask God for patience, he's going to give us an opportunity to be patient. What that sounds like, and what you're, when you're saying that, you're saying that to people in the world, what you're telling them is that God doesn't like you. So when you ask for patience, God's gonna put you in a really hard situation and show you that you're not strong enough. God wants to give you the patience. He's going to give you access to his patience. So be patient. He's not the father that's provoking his children to anger. 
God's not commanding you to do something that he would not do. God the Father gives good gifts. He wants to equip you. Be strong in the Lord. He's not putting you, putting the armor on you and then smacking you upside the head. You have a spiritual enemy that's not God. It is the devil, the world, and your flesh. The armor is to protect you from the enemy. The enemy is prowling around waiting to devour you. So go to the Father and get his armor that he wants to give you. He wants you to have it. And we'll wrap up with this. Verse 19, Paul is wrapping up this this letter and he asks uh, for prayer. He says, and also for me, pray for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. This is Paul, missionary pastor, asking for the Ephesian church to be bold, to give him the words. He's asking the Ephesian church to pray for him, Paul, the one writing the letter, that God would give him the words. Paul knows that he needs God's strength in order to advance the kingdom. And you and I should have that same level of humility that we cannot do it of our own strength, that we are called to do it. But therefore, we must also ask for God's help to do it, to accomplish the task. So, in summary, God is a loving Father who wants to and will prepare you for spiritual battle. Our enemy is stronger than we could ever imagine. And our armor comes from the Lord who overwhelms the enemy with his own strength. So, as we move to the table to take communion, we have bread and juice over here, over here. Remember what it took to accomplish your salvation. Christ's death on the cross, his resurrection. It's in that that we can go to the throne and ask for God's strength to endure the spiritual battle, to endure the flaming darts of the evil one. So go in thankfulness that God has accomplished it and remember who he is. So let's pray. Father, today we ask you that you would give us strength to stand firm. Would you teach us truth, that you would remind us of your goodness, your faithfulness. Would you give us the strength to walk in your spirit 
in a way that reflects Christ's life. Lord, would you ready our mouths and our minds to speak your gospel? Lord, would you teach us to trust you? Would you help us to trust you in the midst of difficult circumstances? That you are who you say you are, that you will do what you say you'll do, and that we are who you say we are. That we are forgiven and righteous. Lord, would you teach us to remember what it took for you to save us? That we would remember our sin, that we would remember your death on the cross and your resurrection even more. Lord, would you equip us with your word? Would you give us the desire to read your word and to memorize it more than the desire to watch Netflix or go out and just waste our lives? Lord, I pray for our people today that are here. I pray that you would equip them with your spirit, with the strength to do this, to be a fighter, a warrior for your kingdom, that the gospel would reach the nations, but Lord, that it would also reach the city of Dahlonega, and Lord, that it would reach the University of North Georgia, that they would come to know the truth of your son, Jesus. So they could have hope. Lord, would you save your people? Would you bring them into light? Lord, we thank you for the gospel. And we remember it as we come to the table today. Amen.